Hello coaches and welcome back or welcome to the ITA College Tennis Coaches podcast. Today I interview Billy Pate, the head men's tennis coach at Princeton, as well as his assistant coach, Damien Hume. Billy is entering his 27th year in college coaching and spent two of those years working under the legendary Bobby Bayless at Notre Dame. Both Billy and Bobby have mentored many assistant coaches and head coaches throughout their careers. Damien Hume has served as an assistant coach at Boise State and Michigan State and is now in his eighth year as Billy's assistant at Princeton. In this podcast, we discuss the pathway to becoming a head coach, some mistakes assistant coaches tend to make at times, how assistant coaches can get more involved within their athletic departments, and lots more helpful advice for assistant coaches. I hope you get lots out of my discussion with both Billy and Damien. Billy Pate and Damien Hume, welcome to the ITA College Tennis Coaches podcast. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Yeah, good to see you guys. Obviously, had a chance to uh, visit with you in person at the convention just a few weeks ago in Las Vegas. And uh, crazy to think that the season is about to, to get going. I know you guys are going to be very busy here in the coming days and weeks. So I appreciate you guys doing this. But Billy, going to get started with you. Really, the theme today is around assistant coaches and, and trying to give some advice to to that uh, cohort of coaches. I know a lot of them listen into this podcast, so um, I'm sure they'll come away with lots of, uh, of important um, information that will hopefully help their careers moving forward. But Billy, you were, you were very successful head coach at junior college level, level before becoming an assistant coach at Notre Dame. So why move to an assistant role after uh, five years as a head coach? Yeah, it's a great question. I've, um, I think I've talked about this in previous mentoring calls and, um, you know, everybody's pathway is a little bit different. I, so I just happen to have the opportunity to be a head coach right off the bat. So when I'm advising young coaches, um, and it doesn't seem to be as much in vogue, maybe now, uh, but I tell them to, hey, if you can be a head coach early, it really can help. That's one route, one pathway to be to get to your goals. But uh, for me personally, it was an opportunity to work with um, uh, Coach Bayless, uh, Bobby Bayless at Notre Dame, who as most most people would know, he's a kind of a legendary figure in college tennis. Um, I mean, he's a guy that everybody sort of went to for advice back then as it was a mentor to everybody, but he's probably was my main mentor in, in coming up the ranks. And so having the opportunity to work for him was very unique. Um, I, again, I wasn't looking to be, um, you know, go from, uh, being a head coach to an assistant, but it just something that presented itself. Um, he was so humbled the way he presented it. You know, if you, if you know, Bobby, he, he's not a guy that would ever beat his own chest or say that Notre Dame was great. Or, and he, the, I think how um, sort of self-effacing he was and presenting it as an opportunity was just, just really struck me as something that I wanted to do. Uh, also, he made one point to me that I think is very important. Um, you know, I, primarily been in the Southeast, uh, uh, part of the U.S. My, most of my life, my, most of my contacts were there. And by going to Notre Dame, I sort of, um, we sort of had a, a Big Ten schedule then. Uh, this was before they were playing in the ACC, of course. And, and so we played a lot of those teams. I mean, it was just a different region for me to be in, to expand my network, get to know new people, new coaches, uh, administrators. And uh, so that was really the idea. And then it's funny because when I interviewed for Princeton, um, I, had some confidence because of my experience in Notre Dame. Had I not had those two years at Notre Dame, um, I don't know that I would have had the academic uh, pedigree, so to speak, because um, of the places I had been 
certainly weren't uh, necessarily preparing me for an Ivy. Not that you have to have that, but I think that is an important consideration. So all of those factors went into it, um, but it was a great, I look back and I wish I'd in some respects stayed there longer just because it was such, um, I look back as maybe my favorite part of coaching those two years I spent in Notre Dame, it was great. And Billy, I think you're entering your 28th year in coaching now or, or something around that, that number. So has your advice to assistant coaches changed through the years? Obviously, you know, 20 years ago, the, the volunteer pathway wasn't really there, right? I mean, a lot of programs didn't have assistant coaches. A lot of programs still don't have an assistant coach, but the volunteers, GAs, that's kind of a newer pathway. So has your advice changed a little bit through the years? Yeah, I think it has, um, you know, and you know this, Matt Hill, and he's spoken about this. He was probably on the cutting edge. He was so ambitious and he's done so well. And mm -hmm. he started with uh, me at Alabama as a volunteer and he drove down from Michigan. I've told this story before and and uh, just drove down um, and, and visited with us and, and said, hey, I'm going to come work here and, and ended up getting a master's there and worked for us for two years. And this was before you could even be on court as a volunteer during matches, which is a mm -hmm. really, really weird rule we ended up changing. But um, no, I, and, and, and in fact, going back to that experience I had in Notre Dame, um, Kevin White, who was the then athletics director uh, before moving on to Duke, you know, he, he uh, would host these um, sort of classroom um, you know, educational meetings. Um, and he talked about silos in terms of where you want to go in your career. And he had mentioned then, and again, this is like 2001 about, you know, if you want to work in the biggest athletic department, you should start there. Even if you're starting in, a, in an intern position to move up that silo versus starting at a small college level and jumping up, that always struck with me. Um, I think that has become reality in recent years, a little bit more of a specialization. Um, but at, at the same time, I would still tell anybody getting into coaching to start, um, get experience, number one, uh, whether it's volunteer at a, a premier program, a power five program or something of that nature, or, um, being an assistant, even at a small college level, just to get the experience. And if you look at, um, I follow college football closely and college basketball, you look at these coaches that are assistants, they move around so much. And. And so I love the ad idea that you have a lot of different experiences. Um, you don't wanna bounce around too much and, and not show loyalty, but, but I do think that has changed, um, you know, in terms of uh, a pathway. And, and a lot of coaches seem to be want, they, they want the power five uh, idea or the high level mid-major division one program. And that's fine. I think uh, then they need to invest there as assistants as soon as they can. And that would be their pathway. Got it. And so, Damien, you you served as an assistant coach at Boise State, at Michigan State. Now you're obviously Billy's assistant at, at Princeton. But what are a couple of things maybe you've learned at, at each spot along the way and and uh, will help you in your career moving forward? Yeah, I was actually I was a volunteer for about only about five or six months at Boise. I didn't actually know what I wanted to do. I actually didn't want to coach. I wanted to actually play afterwards and I had shoulder surgery. So I was like, eh, what am I going to kind of do? And actually didn't, I didn't want to coach at all. I was kind of, ah, I wanted to play. So I was actually looking at jobs and kind of in that transition. And I started help out Boise because I knew, you know, Patson is absolutely, absolute legend, just, you know, like, like Bayless. And I was just fortunate enough to be with him and just to get a different experience. You know, I think people have, I think head coaches are great because they can give such great advice and great experiences to people. You know, it doesn't mean it has to be my experience, but it gives us, you know, a little snippet of what they see and how they see the world. And I think 
Patton was just one of the biggest promoters of college tennis. I think he built Boise State up to be absolutely amazing. And, you know, just brought almost the community in, you know, so learning that from him was just incredible. And Michigan State Gene Orlando was great because he actually called me about three times and I said no a bunch of times just because I didn't want to coach about a year later. And my wife, my amazing wife was just like, hey, I think you need to take this, you know, and it was snowing. There's about three feet of snow on the ground, which I didn't like. And we hopped up and went to Michigan and Patton, which kind of what Billy has reiterated to a lot of our volunteers, assistant coaches, people around the country, you know, he said the same thing to me. He's like, it's a, it's a different experience. You know, you're going to get that. It's great. You know, this is good. If you want to be in college coaching, boom, big 10, very different to Boise state, very different to, you know, a mid-major, very different scheduling, very different opponents, you know, being in that big 10, you know, it's very competitive. And then you get a little bit more out on the East side. So he's like, that's a great way just to kind of get into that huge athletic department, you know, so that was a great experience, you know, and then coming to Princeton again, I wasn't, I wasn't really looking and, you know, there's, there's things kind of fell into place where Ryan Keckley was here before me and I knew Billy from, you know, from playing and being recruited. And so I knew him really well. And I knew, I was like, wow, this is going to be another great experience being, I mean, there's legends of college, college tennis and Billy, you won't say this, but Billy's definitely going to be one of those legends he is right now. And it's great just to learn under him and just, it's a different experience. You know, now I'm on the East coast with an Ivy and, you know, I've, and I was actually, you know, played at junior college. So understanding that, you know, I was in Texas, so I've like kind of touched on a bunch of different areas. And I think with that has just been so huge, you know, just for me to make that transition. And now it's like, okay, and then what's next? And what, you know, and now looking for that and kind of seeing that and getting a good perspective of talking to people and talking to different coaches, I think is the most valuable thing too. Mm-hmm. With, with, and as you- with moving around and stuff. Yeah, as you were thinking about those transitions um, and and making those jumps, what are what are a few things that you're really weighing heavily? Um, you know, what were the most important factors when making those moves to you, and maybe some some assistant coaches could consider going forward? Yeah, I think I think even before that, I actually I probably talked to about six to ten different people from different areas, I would say, even in my life, even like non-tennis, mm. you know, it could be my parents, some of my coaches back in South Africa, some other college coaches, and just to kind of get advice, just to kind of, kind of put it all together. I think that for me was key. It wasn't just getting like, oh, one person said I should do it. Okay, I'm going to do it. It was kind of talking, kind of sifting through it. I think it's, I think people have different circumstances. Me, you know, I, I was married um, when I was at Boise. And so that was a big factor for me. And my wife is like, okay, is this going to be okay for us moving here doing that you know right now we have a little one so that takes you know that take that goes into account too you know like hey if we move as a family I think that's huge too um I think you know being going to a head coaching you know when I came to Billy it was like understanding his philosophy and what he's trying to do I remember even my first week we kind of sat down and we kind of talked through things. I remember late one night and we're kind of going through double stuff. I remember just on this whiteboard with him. I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, that's exactly what that's. And, you know, our kind of philosophies were really lined up, even though we do stuff differently. It's like our end goal and what, how we go about stuff is very, very similar. And I think that's key, you know, when to go in, to go in about stuff, it doesn't mean we agree on everything, which, you know, you probably shouldn't, you know, otherwise I think you're too similar. And, you know, I have tons of energy, you know, run and jump around on the court. And so I think 
understanding that dynamic with the coach that you're going to be with, whether you hire an assistant or even a volunteer. Billy and I have talked about volunteers even when we come in. It's like, how's this going to fit with our team? How's this going to fit with us? Is this going to be a good fit with going about things? Hmm. And, and Billy, what, what are some mistakes that you've maybe observed assistant coaches making through the years that have maybe slowed down their career trajectory? Um, yeah, I would say that uh, undercutting a head coach would be one, not being loyal. You know, I mentioned loyalty early. I think that's such an important component. Um, you know, I think maybe looking to bounce too quick. You know, I said move around, but maybe the loyalty to stay, uh, see it through. Um, I think it could work both ways where some uh, assistant coaches may be intimidated to take on roles that maybe uh, they don't think they're equipped to handle. Um, and some may be a little bit, um, I don't want to say arrogant, but overconfident in their, their skill set to do certain things. So, you know, we've always, like I've purposely, when, when Damien's talking about when he arrived, like I probably took a recruiting trip for a day or two right off the bat to make sure he ran practice. And, and, you know, I know he could do that obviously, but, but, um, uh, in our volunteer, even, even that role, we, Damien and I would go somewhere and, Hey, you're running practice. And, and I think that's important, um, them to take on those roles. So our job is to prepare them for that next step, um, for a volunteer to become an assistant or a head coach and a, an assistant to become a head coach. So, I think it's crucial that we're able to give them that support, uh, give them a lot of leeway to do that. So I think part of it is shared responsibility, the head coach to, to help with that. And then communicating, you know, I think just uh, meeting a lot. I, I'm, I'm very much hands off, you know, I'm not a micromanager as Damien can tell you and other people could tell you, but I also want them, I try to give them enough guidance. Um, and, you know, we, we talk about failure all the time. The, the small, small failures are good, right? We want to learn and grow through those. And I know Damien can talk about his experience from when he first got here coming to the Ivy League. It's a little bit of a unique experience. You have to appreciate the academic demands and, and uh, the way maybe some the players think compared to other institutions. And, uh, and he grew into that really quick. It took a little while, and I think he would tell you, but it took me a little while, but um, you, you just have to understand that. So it's a different coaching style, but, but there's a lot of different factors for, for assistance and making mistakes. And, and I think just, um, you know, immersing themselves in the, in the, uh, the operation, getting to know administration. I I've seen a lot of assistants be intimidated to get to know the athletic director or the top, the senior athletic officials. Um, you know, if you're going to go for a, a head coaching interview, you know, in the next year or two, and you don't know the head trainer or the director of athletics or the senior women's administrator, you know, chances are they're the ones that are going to be talking to those other administrators who are interviewing you. So I see that as a, a big thing. And, and Damien's just really immersed himself in the athletics department. You've seen, you know, even leading that discussion uh, at the ITA convention. I mean, and I think that's really invaluable for, you know, any, any assistant coaches development and, and their pathway to be a head coach. Yeah. And, and Damien, can you talk a little bit more about how you, you know, have made yourself invaluable to, to Billy and, and, uh, and an important part of the athletic department there. What steps have you taken, you know, some that have maybe happened organically and some that you've been maybe more intentional about through the years? Yeah, I, I don't know if I'm invaluable. I think I think I bring some value, hopefully, at you know, at times to to the program, to some of our guys. And 
I think humility is a big thing is like, you know, really not thinking that you know everything. Uh, I think that's one of the big things. And Billy talked about this when I first got to Princeton. Yeah, it was, it was, it was just different. You know, I came from Michigan State. You know, it was really, really different. We had a great group of guys there too. Absolutely. Harry Jaden, you know, who coaches there now it was great. You know, I worked with him a lot and uh, coming to Princeton, it was just like, it was really different. And I actually didn't understand it at first. I was like, oh, why is people, you know, there's a lot of questions and things like that. And I actually found that I actually, that's where I thrive as a coach is actually asking questions. It's actually what I didn't like at first is actually what I'm really good at. And so, um, yeah, I think, I think the biggest thing is like networking. Like I actually, it's actually easier for me because I love to talk to people and I love to like, not just because I'm like trying to get something out of it. I just want to meet people. I just want to like know their story. I want to know about them. Want to know how things are going how's it not just like oh how's your budget going and your job you know it's like no hey how's how's this going oh your brands fan oh great you know i saw the brands going it's like it's just talking like normal people and just actually being intentional about that i think relationship and network i think is the key just to absolutely anything like not even just in college coaching and you know, I, I think I was a little bit, you know, upfront, but, you know, even a new AD who came and I heard he liked squash and Billy had taught me to play squash. I was like, I went up to him. I think one of our first conversations was like, hey, you want to play squash? He's like, <laughs> okay, Friday work? I was like, sure. He's like, okay, 11. I'm like, okay, let's go. And so it was like, that was like one of my first interactions, you know, with our new AD. And I was like, sure, I don't know. I just, you know, it's just going and just, I think it's just, just being a normal person and a human being, I think don't be bogged up in your shell, you know, with doing that. And I think just understanding that you are not everything, I think is huge. I think that humility and asking questions and knowing maybe sometimes you're wrong, you know, those kinds of things, but then bringing your best, bringing your best to like, hey, how can I bring the best out of our players, out of our other coaches? How can we help, you know, whether it's our volunteer or how can I help Billy? How can I help the team? How can I help the fan base? How can I help Princeton? I think once you have that mentality, I think it becomes a lot easier for you to bring value to a team or to a program. And then I think it just lifts everything up. You know, I think it kind of, if you start taking the wins and losses, I think wins will come. I think if you do those kinds of things, right. But I think that needs to be a little bit higher, you know, than just like, oh, I'm just going to do everything I can to win that match. Um, yeah, I just, I talked to one um, associate AD at Michigan State. I used to go talk to him all the time. His name was Richard Bader. It was great too. Billy knows really well, but he, you know, he told me one thing after he retired was like, you know, all the big 10 championships, he had it like on his case, you know, and at home and he's like, no, I changed that all out for like friends and family and people that he met and knew. And I was like, that just stuck with me. I was like, that's mm. what it means. And that's what it's all about really when going about those things. So. Yeah. And Billy, you talked a little bit about the uh, onboarding process there and, and, you know, some of the things that you did with Damien and in, interested, you know, I'm always fascinated. I remember when I became the head coach at the University of Oklahoma and, and there's really no onboarding process, right? They hire you, they expect you to be able to do a certain job. I remember them telling me I have to do this, this coaches show and some other things with the press. And I'm like, oh, do I get any media training? They're like, oh, no, you'll be fine. And it's kind of like, okay, well, uh, thanks, thanks for your belief in me. But I think sometimes head coaches hire assistant coaches with the same, same kind of idea in mind, and there's no real intentional onboarding that 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 they receive. So, how do you go about? You've mentioned a few of them, but what are some other ways that maybe you learned from Bobby, how he brought you along in those couple of years, um, and some other ways that you try and bring your assistant coaches, your volunteer coaches 
uh, up to speed and help them, you know, help, help their career development, help them reach their potential? Yeah, I think it starts with, um, and, and this isn't specifically answering your question, but I, I, for me personally, it starts with the, the recruiting process of who I hire. In other words, I've got a list, Damien knows this, I keep a list on my phone. I, I may be um, traveling, I may be on the road at a tournament watching players, and I see a lot of other colleagues, coaches, and maybe some young coaches there. And, and I was like, wow, he'd be a really good assistant for me, perhaps. And so I jot their name down, you know, so I always keep this list. So I think when I bring somebody in, um, like when I brought Damien in, when I brought uh, Keckley in, um, you know, they were, I knew they were very experienced and um, they were ready to hit the ground running, so to speak. As Damien talked about, it was a little bit of a transition at Princeton. So I think the biggest thing is if there is a little bit of a I don't want to say a cultural change, but like uh, a geographic change, uh, a change in the institution, like we're different than a power five. Um, I think Princeton, you know, um, speaking more specifically about our place, you know, we do a really good job with uh, HR, like every coach, whether you're assistant or head coach has to interview with HR. And it's like actually a real interview. And they, they sort of break down how it is to work at, at Princeton. And you have to be more, I think, embedded in the culture of the university than a lot of other places around the country. You have to identify with the, the academic rigors um, as I mentioned before what the players go through. Um, but I think you, you, your mission strategically has to align with what the university's mission. I think that's important for, for anybody as they move up to be a head coach, maybe not as much as an assistant because you're learning and growing. Um, but I think that's something you learn right off the bat at Princeton. But as far as personally what we do um, to help onboard them, you know, again, I, I say I'm, I'm more of a, you know, hands-off type of manager, I guess. Um, we, Damien, mentioned that we sat down and went over doubles drills and we, we agreed philosophically. And I think we kind of knew that going in. We, we did that in a um, sort of interview process. But, but the first few weeks, we really kind of hit the ground running with that that type of stuff and more uh, philosophical things and the goal setting. And I think, um, again, just trying to get the assistant some, some true roles defined and what they really are good at. And, and like, I, there are certain things I, I don't necessarily want to do. I'm more of a big picture guy. Damien knows this. He's a great detail guy. And, and um, I just want to know how we're going to get there. And I've learned that about myself. We all have our own strengths and weaknesses and I think, I think Ryan Keckley used to say, you know, he, he would learn to work around me. And I, I, I don't think he meant that as bad as it sounds, but <laughs> he, he, would, uh, he, would, he would know he, you have this, um, there's an intuitive nature that Damien has, that Ryan had, that my other assistants had. So I've, but I've already vetted them knowing that they should have that. Um, and sometimes maybe I don't communicate as clearly or as, you know, I'm not, again, not being a micromanager, not sitting down every single morning giving them a list of things to do they know what they need to do so i don't know the onboarding uh for us it, it's a little bit more um i don't know there's a lot of different factors involved but i, I think it's more natural and, uh, and you know when i pick an assistant you know again a little bit maybe off the point but again it goes back to the recruiting aspect i want somebody that's going to be like a family member like damien's like a brother you know like a true family member that i want to have over all the time to my house i go to his house you know, we're not just working together and then we don't see each other till we hit the courts the next day or the office. Um, I think that's a mistake some people uh, make in the, in the hiring of assistants. I, and sometimes maybe they don't have a great candidate pool, but I mean, 
I think that has to be almost like a marriage. Damien referenced that, and you know, has a real good marriage and supportive uh, family structure. I think those, those are really important things that the head coach has to take into account. And, and that is part of the sort of onboarding process, in my opinion. Yeah, and when you talk about keeping um, a list of, of potential assistant coaches moving forward and hoping Damien will be with you a long time, but um, you know, what, what are some of the things that are standing out to you or, or, or what are you looking for be beyond, obviously you talked about, you know, you want to have a great relationship. You want to feel like you get along with, with that person, but what are some of the other things that you're, you're, you're trying to observe? Well, Damien touched on a lot of these things. Like he, he's, he's a very inquisitive guy. He likes to ask questions. He loves to learn. He loves to learn from different groups of people. Um, but already had a great skill set and was a great player. So I sort of hit a home run there. And I think I have in previous uh, hires, uh, fortunately for me. But um, I think that by doing that um, research ahead of time and knowing that's sort of what I want and being a little bit selfish about it, I do want somebody with a little bit of experience. I mean, Damien wasn't coming in like a first year assistant. Mm-hmm. Um, I had that. He, he you know, obviously coached under um, a great, a great mentor in Gene Orlando and the big 10. So he had that experience and, 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 and of course being a, a top ITF player in juniors, he, you know, and, and, and perhaps a professional career before he injured it himself, but, you know, he, he had that going for him as well. Um, and then as I've gotten older and I'm, a, I'm pretty laid back as you guy, you know, I mean, I'm very intense on the inside, obviously, but I, you know, externally, I, I like to have, be a little bit more calm, and, you know, Damien is a guy that's just running around bouncing up and down. And, you know, I probably did a little bit more of that when I was younger, but, uh, you know, I, I want him to lead practice. I want a, I want an assistant that has the command of the team. Um, and one thing you, you had uh, asked about mistakes assistant coaches make, one thing I left out is like, it's very important, especially if they're younger. And I don't want somebody maybe 22 years old. I think that can be challenging. I mean, not that I wouldn't hire somebody that's 22 if they're really, really good. Um, but being friends with the players, you know, we've seen that where, uh, an assistant coach, you know, they jeopardize their own leadership potential by, you know, especially if the, the players could grumble about what the head coach says or does, and then the assistant coach sides with them, you know, that's obviously what you don't want. And, you know, so having somebody that's more mid twenties to late twenties is a, is a, I think a good strike strike zone there for that. Um, not to say they wouldn't kind of if they're immature you know you know drift into that but but those are important things that we look for um so i mean there's a variety of things but i think just community you know connecting with the guys and having the ability to be a leader and then and then lastly you know i i want somebody who wants to do do this as a profession i think that's important i think it's left out where you know you've seen a lot of people who just want to I don't know. I mean, I, I can see why you might want to try this out and then maybe, you know, shift into a different career. But um, why spend five to 10 years as an assistant if you're really trying to, if the end game is to be a head coach, I think. Um, but certainly we want the people that have that passion and are very ambitious with the goal to be a head coach. I, I want somebody that wants my job. You know, I want Damien to want my job. And I mean, he's clearly, um, he's been ready to be a head coach. Um, you know, fortunately, I think he's happy here, but there's going to be opportunities. And, I'm, and I think it's every head coach's, um, you know, obligation to help, you know, even though we might not love it, if they leave after a year, if they get a great opportunity, then they need to go. Um, but also, if you have confidence in your ability to recruit new assistants, and then you develop, um, you know, a history of hiring good people, I think you'll always get good people. Um, and I think that really matters. Mm. 
Yeah, Dave, can I tell you also, like sure. also specifically from my point, I think what Billy did really well, I don't, and this can be like assistant coaches asking questions maybe of their head coach because sometimes people aren't as proactive. Sometimes, you know, they just kind of keep it. But uh, for instance, we have like head coaches meeting, maybe Billy is not there or he's busy. He's like, hey, you can go jump in the head coaches meeting. I'll just let them know, hey, you're going to jump in there. Like I've been to a bunch of meetings where it's just me and a bunch of head coaches, you know, a head coach. I'm like, yep, I'm here to represent men's tennis. And so like there was, I remember being that one thing, there's budgets, you know, Billy's like, hey, here's the budget for this year. This is what we spent. This is how we did it. And just like, and it doesn't mean I'm going to have anything to do it or to look at it. Maybe I have some input, maybe it's nothing, but it's just having like a little bit of that. I think, you know, running practices, I think is one of the biggest things. It's like whether one person is, if a head coach does it all the time, that's great. But just even saying, hey, tomorrow you're going to run it. To run it, I'll give you, if you need help, any kind of that, you know, any kind of uh, guidance or, you know, if you need some drill, whatever it is, it's just, it's giving that. I think that's the hard thing is sometimes some coaches don't, it's hard for them to like give it over to somebody else, you know, especially if it's an assistant coach, I think, you know, at times, but even just understand all the, the little nuances and Billy's like, oh, you probably didn't receive this email. Here we go. This is what they're kind of saying or talking about. This is what, you know, and I might know it, I might, but he's just, he's constantly sharing that information. You know, we're constantly talking and I'll do the same thing. And he's like, again, most of the time we're like, oh yeah, cool. We're, you know, and that could be in practice or drill or, you know, even when maybe when I remember when I first came in, he's just like, oh yeah, this, you kind of do this drill and because of this. And I was like, and it's whether I know it or not, it's like, oh yeah, great. You know, it's like, it's taking in that information, not being like, of course I know that already, you know? <laughs> And I think that that's also that little bit of humility, but he kind of did that, you know, from the academic side, you know, we have to always submit, you know, a report to um, the, uh, oh my gosh, to the associate AD about who we're recruiting and what's their academic index and who they're looking at. And he's like, hey, this is what the graph looks like. This is how you kind of put it in. He has the portal. This is where you look at, you know, when you're seeing, oh, you know, the application, did they submit this? Did he just show I never, you know, I don't have access to that. And he's just kind of just showing, he's like, hey, when you see this and this is what you look at. And I think that was huge. I think that's one of the biggest things. And one of the reasons why, you know, I've been with Billy and why I came here was to, to learn that information. And even when we go to, you know, the coaches convention or I remember the first time I went with Billy, he's like, hey, come meet this guy, meet this guy. Oh, this is this, this is this, this is, oh, let's go have dinner with Tim Russell. Or, hey, we're going to go talk to him. You know, I'm like, oh, I can come. Are you sure? Like, that's why, you know, at first, and it was just, that was a great thing. And then just understanding everybody's just like, they, I think a lot of times in, in college coaching, people don't think they're bigger than everybody else. And they do want to just say hi to an assistant coach or something. So, you know, just on top of that more specific stuff, I thought, I think that's assistant coaches asking those questions too. It's like, maybe, I mean, when I first got in, I didn't know the questions to ask, to be completely honest. And so I think it's huge now, like even talking to other assistant coaches, you know, saying like, oh, you know, what did you learn? Or even in other conferences, hey, what do you do? How do you do things? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, Damien, you've mentioned the convention a couple of times and you ran a, an awesome session with, with the coaches. Definitely one of my, my favorite sessions from, from the whole convention there in Las Vegas. And, and so just in your conversations with the coaches and then when you had them in the tables um, conversing and we obviously had the panel that, that I filled in for a little bit there, but um, you know, were there a couple of key takeaways you got from that session that you'd share with the coaches that maybe were not able to get there this year? 
Yeah, I mean, I think we, we touched on this a lot, but I think networking is huge. You know, I wanted to do that. You know, I had a couple of activities. I don't like people just kind of sitting and just kind of looking. Away. I want people to move. Once they move, they're going to engage. But it was really cool because I know it was an assistant coach to me, but a co- and then there was a bunch of head coaches. There. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. And, you know, like I know FA was there from RAS and it was just great. And I know a couple of people, actually assistants came after me like, oh, I didn't know that about FA or he told me this. And it was so it was like, it was just that talking and communicating, almost like just being a little bit more open and talking about, you know, I think that's huge. It's like, just go talk to somebody, go, you know, I think Billy and I, when we go recruiting, I don't think we have dinner by ourselves at all. Anytime we always go together and we always have dinner together for the most part, but we always go in and hanging out with somebody. Mm-hmm. And then we ask people this question. So it's like, just that, like Nick, cause you never know, somebody might say something, you know, and you might listen and you're like, oh, wow, that's kind of cool. Or just building those relationships and those networks. Cause I think, again, we just, we get bogged down into maybe our own, you know, our own university, our own team, and we don't kind of venture out. And I don't think you're going to learn much with that, you know, with going about and. I think it's great just to know people and know who they are and know about them, but also, Hey, you never know down the road, they might help you out or they, they might be your next person that you work with, or you might hire. So I think that was, I think that was key, you know, and I talked about, there was one section I talked about understanding yourself. And I think that was key. was like, I knew, I knew how, who I was as a player. So I kind of actually took that into coaching when I first, you know, got into Michigan state. And then when I got into Princeton, I was like, okay, but is, is that who I am as a coach? Like I love, like I, like my resume, I actually want people to actually see who I was as a coach, not really as a player. I was like, does that add a piece to it? For sure. That's like what I've done as a coach, you know, when going about things. I remember just learn, I've learned so much at Princeton, which has been great. And at Michigan State, you know, even, but just so much, just how I've evolved and almost just become, you know, that experience and just that understanding of who I am, like asking questions. I think that's the biggest thing. And I was like, wow, I'm, I, th- I think I'm good at asking questions. And I think that brings out something in people and instead of almost sometimes, you know, when I was a young coach, honestly, like I'd, I'd go at somebody, not hard, but just like, oh, why are you doing this? Why are you doing, you know, like, what are you doing? Do this, this, this. And I was like, hey, what is your thought process there? Why, why, do, why do you think you go about that? Oh, hey, you know, when you take a phone, when you're six feet behind the baseline and go down the line with the phone, why, why would you do that? Instead of being like, hey, that's a dumb, dumb shot just hit cross court instead instead of actually like maybe hey seeing you know what are they tr- trying to think through oh you're actually trying to do that hey maybe maybe try actually go with more heart when you try to do that so i think like for me like when i start to understand that do i still get like a little intense yeah i get intense and but i start to channel it in the right way i think a little bit better i'm not perfect mm-hmm. but a little bit better and so even with our volunteers i start to teach them that like hey really see who you are they're going to be very different to me, they're going to be very different to Billy. We kind of teach them kind of fundamentals with certain things, but then like evolve, use your, who you are, your skill set. If you're a good player, if you want it, it doesn't matter, right? But if I, I'm a good player, good. So I'm going to go out on the courts and I'm going to try to compete and take the guys out. That's great. If you want, it's okay. That doesn't make you a better player or a better coach than me, right? Just because I can hit a better ball doesn't mean I'm a better coach, you know? And I think that's so key. And I like understanding that. And then it's like, if you weren't a good player, that's okay. Don't become try to become this amazing player. You can be a little bit better, but be good at what you are, you know, and then evolve and start to, it's like a tennis, you know, understanding you as a tennis player. It's like, like me, I had a good forehand. I didn't have a great backhand at all. So I'm going to keep working on that forehand and I'll slowly make the backhand a little bit better, 
when I'm doing those things, but I'm still, Hey, I'm relying on my phone, not my backhand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and Billy, obviously you've seen this industry change and evolve and, and where we are right now, it's, it's the, the, <laughs> the rapid change. It's hard to keep up uh, here over the last 18 months with everything going on in the world of, of the NCA and college sports in general, uh, NIL, all the rest of it. But what are some of the skills now you think that young assistant coaches need to be developing, working on so that they can navigate whatever changes are coming our way here in, in, in the next few years, in the next few decades? What, how would you be getting assistant coaches to think about those skills and how to improve upon them and what to be working on and maybe how to work on them? Yeah, well, I think that goes back to the, the head coach sharing the, the information we, we just talked about and Damien's talked about, uh, you know, talking about the budget, you know, um, that's going to be a key piece for wherever you are. Um, at a place like Princeton, we have a, a very strong budget, but we also do some fundraising. Um, if that's a component, you know, again, it depends on where somebody might end up. I feel like at the power fives, it, you know, you can look at like people have director operations, they have managers, they have uh, travel coordinators, they have a lot of different people doing the job. I, I, I sort of enjoy a lot of like the stuff like travel, like the stuff that people would hate to do, um, you know, but it's kind of it's kind of fun. But I think, you know, those are little things that, you know, depending on where you're a head coach, you, you might need um, scheduling. Um, I, that is probably one thing that I, I share with Damien, but I, I do all the scheduling. Um, but I think it's something that why we schedule, when we schedule or who we're reaching out to and the time of the year, indoor, outdoor, things like that. If, if I'm not sharing that with my assistant, with Damien, then I'm probably doing him a disservice if he's, you know, I, I know you guys have this exercise of the ITA. If you get if uh, Tim gets hit by a bus, I know that's a horrible thing to say. So I know, but you guys have that exercise, right? If the, if the head right. person, you know, the CEO or, or whoever the manager gets hit by a bus. Um, in we like case, to say if, if we win the lottery now, rather than. Yes, right. the bus. <laughs> exactly. So, so let's just say I uh, win the lottery and I, I, I go and retire in wine country, which I probably would do. Um, you know, I, and Damien takes over. Is he ready? Does he, and of course he is. And I think we've set that up and he's been here long enough, but, but are other assistants ready? And what are those, um, going back to your question, um, you know, whether it's a, is it fundraising? Is it a skill for that? Is it uh, the scheduling? Um, I think, you know, there's an art to dealing with the um, senior administration, like we discussed. Um, Damien's, as he mentioned, already uh, really connected with our athletics director, which is great, but, but you have to be able to do that. Dealing with parents, dealing with all the um, the multitude of calls you get um, from people, maybe community engagement, um, leading that. Um, who knows, you know, I, I guess it varies depending on the place, whether the, the head coach is involved in the social media aspect of that. Is that, is that important, especially going forward with promoting our programs? Um, you know, and I think speaking to the team, like for instance, I, I feel like it's very important for the head coach to, um, to address the team before the match, after the match, be the first one to do that. But I also think it's crucial for the assistant to have that voice to be, and sometimes it will be. And, and Damien's come up to me before and said, hey, you mind if I speak first? And I'm like, absolutely, do it. You know, he may have a, a key thought on his head, some takeaway from the match, uh, win or lose, whatever it is. Um, having that opportunity for that, um, 
assistant coach to address the team continuously where they're they're very comfortable with that at, at, at the moment they're they're a head coach so i guess it's really thinking again going back to that what if that assistant is a head coach today are they prepared do they have all the skills and that's a question i think to ask the head coach as well as the assistant and but those are just a few that come to mind i'm sure there, there's a, a lot of others but um yeah those are the, the key points i think yeah, and Damien, as, as we're kind of talking about the, the changing landscape and, and what's to come, obviously you're interacting with other assistant coaches uh, on, on a very regular basis and having conversations, like you said, maybe you're on the road and grabbing lunch, grabbing dinner. And, and uh, you know, it's very important to, to me. I mean, Billy, his service to college tennis, I mean, you know, he, he can go against anybody in terms of years of service and, and a, you know, volunteer hours. Uh, to help move the sport forward and, and hopefully the next generation, Damien, your generation, uh, want to get involved in that way going forward as well and, and serve college tennis through their, through their, throughout their career. But what are some of the things that assistant coaches are talking about in terms of advancing our sport? Where, where do they see our sport going? Um, and are, are they worried? Are they concerned? Are they optimistic? Um, do they feel like we have a very bright future, but you know, need to make a few tweaks here and there? What, what are some of those discussions, Damien? Yeah, I think, you know, I started about you know, almost two years ago when as soon as COVID hit, I actually started a assistant coaches group. I just thought, ah, let's get people from all around the country just getting to talk, you know, and I think you know, just as a side note, I think any assistant coaches, I think you should be in some kind of group with like four or five assistant coaches or any other people that you're constantly bouncing knowledge off that have different ideas. Um, yeah, I think, I think it's great because I think there are a lot of assistant coaches who are very ambitious and looking to, you know, be proactive about it and constantly looking. I think that's huge. I think assistant coaches need to be proactive. I think it's not just going to happen. It's just, you know, our sport is just not going to promote itself. It's just not going to do well or get better if we don't be proactive. So we should be constantly looking at ideas to promote our sport. You know, I think one of the things that we try to do is, you know, I think the biggest thing is digging into our local communities. You know, we have matches where we have ball kids out there. You know, we have matches where we invite high school, high school um, teams out, you know, and then we actually have a couple of our players talk to them afterwards. You know, I, we have clinics. I think Patson did a really great job of this too, was we always had a, a kid's day, you know, where it was like one day we had it on our calendar and we just invited all the local communities. We talked to the people, the USTA, you know, in the local communities and just said, hey, this is going to be a kid's day and bring them out and have our players out and, you know, not putting too much wear and tear on our players, but just going out there and interacting and giving back to the community. I think that was huge for me when I was growing up. When, you know, I was a ball kid, you know, for a couple of matches, you know, and there was actually pro matches, but that was huge for me. That was huge, you know, just being a part of that. And I think that's so key, you know, because once the community supports you too, I think it's cool. I mean, Boise State is such a great example of that. You know, I think there's a great reason why they've had such great resources, you know, just because it is hard. I mean, you battle against basketball and football consistently, you know, it's like, how do we, how do we be proactive and just, you know, getting tennis, maybe it's on TV or just getting more people to see it and enjoy it, I think is so key. And there's so many awesome coaches, you know, around the country that do so many great things, you know, for, and it looks different. I think each place, it looks, it looks very different. It could be, you know, um, at Boise, we went to local clubs and we do a pro-am and that's what we kind of did. We did three in the fall, 
How does that look? How does that look at Princeton? How does that look at the SEC? It could look vastly different, you know, different, but it's being proactive. You know, as I said, this is not the, just the head coach's job. This should be, you know, and it's me and Billy and I talk about this a lot too. It's like me maybe putting something in Billy's ear and he's like, oh yeah, okay, great. Or, oh no, that won't work. Or, and it's just it's that conversation, like how do we make it better? How do we get fundraising? I think it's also, you know, key with doing that too. If you, you know, if you're constantly worrying about funds and stressed about that, it's tough because that takes away from your coaching ability to coach your guys or equipment or traveling. So that kind of thing. So I think the assistant coaches, you know, having this conversation with head coaches and promoting tennis whether and now with social media i think it's so key and easy to do that and i think i think tennis has done a really good job of that you know you can just follow scores and but it should be it should be just promoting and reaching out but not just within your own little bubble you know it's reaching out to other people to local you know places that you can do maybe it's a club like hey maybe we could play a match we boise we used to play a match once a year at a local club you know and it's just like oh this date this time we're going to go play at this club you know, we're going to host and they will host it at, you know, Princeton, we do it at Santa Court, just at the top. And it's incredible. We played Wisconsin, Ole Miss, we played two matches there. And it was just, it was awesome. We actually took one court out and we had food and we had chairs and people sitting there and they're right next to the court, literally just right next to it. And we told our guys, we went to get our guys ready. Like, hey, but this is going to be huge because we're going to bring, you know, alumni from New York and people from that. It's just a different community that we're going to reach out to. And we knew the pros and we're like, hey, this is, we're going to make this a big deal, you know, for that. And we have to, and just to keep promoting tennis because, yeah, as you know, like it, it's, I mean, pickleball's coming on strong and taking away a court and, you know, it could be something else next time. So it's constantly keeping that in the minds of people because once they kind of forget about it and it's in the back of their mind, whatever's new and fresh, it's like, oh yeah, that's going to be great, you know? Yeah. Um, real quick to piggyback on what Damien's talking about and address your previous question to me about skill sets for a head coach. You know, I, I, I think, you know, everything Damien's saying is so important and then understanding the ITA. And I'm not saying this just because this is an ITA podcast, but, uh, but because of my years of service and seeing how the ITA works and, and I'm, I'm always taken aback how few even head coaches may know how um, policy is made within the ITA structure, um, how decisions are, are made. And, and I always look back at that, uh, something we might tell our players, if you're not you know, part of the solution, you're part of the problem kind of deal and having uh, head coaches more engaged in the process. It doesn't mean they have to sit on committees. It just doesn't mean they even have to go to the convention. It just means they have to have a voice and instead of, you know, maybe complaining, I don't want to sound harsh, but complaining about something and then not really doing anything about it, you know, maybe having some issues uh, and, and you field a lot of these calls, but, but um, you know, try to come up with some ideas and some solutions to how we do advance our sport along the lines of what Damien is saying. And so, yeah, I, I see that as a, as a crucial part. And, and I think what Damien's done with these assistant coaches, he's a really invested group um, that I think are going to be part of the, you know, leadership going forward. And I think we do have to mentor those uh, younger coaches to do that. But I think understanding that even for head coaches now, they need to be more engaged in that process. And uh, I think that's crucial. Uh, thank you for saying that, that Billy. And, and definitely, I mean, we have, uh, it, it is surprising to me uh, when I have these conversations, a, a lot of coaches just aren't aware of, of our system of governance and that our, our coaches make a, a lot of decisions, um, you know, as it relates to college tennis and, and there is a way for them to, to, to be more involved and 
uh, it's something that I'm, I'm putting a lot of thought to and, and um, you know, continuing that, that, that communication and just Damien, you're aware as well. We do the quarterly division one assistant coach calls. Uh, so assistant coaches can get on these calls and, and kind of, you know, learn how some decisions were made. Some of the things our operating committees are discussing some of the things that are kind of, uh, I may be dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis, uh, encourage that conversation so that when they do hopefully one day end up on a, on a regional committee or an operating committee or on our board of directors, that they have a good sense of, of how all these things came together to that point and then hopefully build upon on there. But it's definitely, I think sometimes a lot of people look in all walks of life, they believe that, um, you know, this or that should happen very quickly. And I've learned that progress happens very slowly. You're just inching a, a boulder up a hill and uh, you just keep trying to get it 1% better almost for that next generation. And, and it might take 20 years to get it 1% better. And then hopefully the next uh, group coming in can, can uh, build upon that and keep going. So it's, uh, yeah, we'll continue to encourage coaches to get involved. And, and Billy, thank you for your service and all the conversations that you have kind of offline with coaches and, and trying to help and inform. So uh, I know we've been going quite a bit here. So we're going to get into our, our rapid fire round. And, and uh, maybe Damien, you can answer first and Billy, you can follow. But um, ready. Damien, what's, what's the best piece of advice you've ever received in your life, whether it doesn't have to be tennis related? Yeah, it's actually from my coach back in South Africa. I was 14 and he actually pulled me by the shirt off the court. You know, I was back chatting him a little bit and he kind of said, hey, if you actually just listen, you might learn something. And, you know, he just said, doesn't matter who it is or what it is, just listen to them. And you might, you never know what kind of advice that might change your life. I thought that was so key and it, it affected my tennis game, but it also affected, affected my life also just about listening to people and just whether you know, the answer or not or the advice is just like listening very good billy same question to you um very simple just be yourself trust your instincts yep, yep. very good uh damien what's what is there a book podcast article passage poem that's influenced uh you and your journey to date yeah, I think one of the, I, I love Malcolm Gladwell. His book, you know, David and Goliath has been huge. I absolutely love that. I reference that quite a bit and just absolutely love that book. You know, there's so many, I mean, even now just Instagram posts or Twitter, you know, so it's, it's, it's just been, it's looking for those, but that book has been so key and crucial to me for sure. Hmm. Billy. Yeah. So I, going back uh, when I started my career, I remember, the, I think it was the first, um, convention I attended at Saddlebrook in 95 and uh, Jim Lair presented uh, Rituals of Success and it was it was really a transformative um, type of uh, presentation it, it was great in all walks of life and and obviously he's done so many but he was one um, I know um, in graduate school we, we were required to read Seven Habits of Highly Effective People I think that really shaped uh, a lot of the way I started to look at success and uh, the way you could do things. And then um, more recently, I just uh, been reading a book called Range, which is, I think, been a bestseller. And it's called, I think one of the things that's really interesting, there's a um, comparison between uh, Tiger's upbringing and Roger Federer's, um, which is really cool. And then talks about early specialization um, in sport and then a broad range of, um, you know, specialties one should have in, in the workforce. But I would recommend that one. It's really good. Damien, is there a favorite drill that you like to do with the team or you're, maybe you like to do as a player and now you, you, uh, you have your team do? 
Yeah, me as a player was very different. I was very boring. I just loved somebody at the net, me just running and hitting balls at them. That was my favorite. I just loved to run. So, but we have a, a drill for our team. It's called running doubles, which we have like 10, 12 people. I mean, you can have a ton. And it's just like every time you want a point, you touch the net, you know, doubles team and the ball gets fed over your head. It has to bounce and then you play the point out and it's two or two. And as soon as uh, a team loses, they go out, the next team comes in. And so basically every time you win, you're just running. You were constantly running. So it's a lot of fun. It teaches a lot about doubles, which is actually great too, you know, but the communication that we talk about, but it's so much fun and just tons of energy. So we usually, honestly, a lot of times just end practice with that because it's a good fitness thing and good doubles, you know, drill. Billy, is that the same for you or do you have another another drill you'd like to share? You really, that's one of the, the my favorites as well. Because, but, but I think the whole idea is like if, if players are engaged and competing hard, and having fun and getting the most of their practice and being intentional at the same time. If you can do that in any drill, um, you know, and it, it could be cross court forehands, it could be something very simple. Usually that doesn't, um, you know, encompass all four of those things I mentioned, but um, yeah, running doubles is certainly one. We also do variations of dingles, which is also maybe something we do at the end of practice and, and the guys really get into it and it engages the whole team. Um, you know, they have, they have fun with it. They're getting a lot out of it. I mean, I think any drill that as soon as you, you know, see it's not going anywhere, you stop it and move on and do something else. That's, uh, but you got to be intentional about it. But yeah, those are those are the best ones. Yeah. And Damien, is there is there any professional development opportunity that you've had through your life, whether it's maybe an undergraduate degree class, a master's program, a PTR thing, USPTA convention? Is there anything that really is, is stuck with you? Yeah, I think actually, I think there's probably about three different things. Um, the one thing I've really, you know, I did psychology in undergrad and talking to a lot of sports psychologists, Larry Lauer at the USCA, you know, I talked to him a lot. You know, he was at Michigan State for a little bit, not when I was there, but then I connected with him. And I think every time I go down to Florida, I, I sit and eat with him, you know, and we just talk about stuff. And there's a couple other people, you know, there's another guy named Brandon Fisher who works up here at, um, in New Jersey, you know, works with a lot of juniors, you know, just pick their brain. He was, he had a PhD in sports psychology and just great resources with that. I think that's key, you know, whether for me, that's feels like an online class every single time I meet with them and just talking and the information that I get. Um, I honestly, I think being at the convention has been great for me because, you know, the speakers that come and just the information that they get, you know, to you is just, I think it's so key. You know, if you actually listen and take it, hey, maybe it's something, you know, but maybe they do it something a little different. If you just, you know, kind of listen up, you might, you might, maybe it sparks something else, you know, with doing that, but even the networking there and just the stuff that you can learn from coaches there. And I think other thing that, you know, Billy and I, we've gone to is, um, is Mark Kovacs, you know, we've gone down there to Atlanta and he's been, you know, it's so great because you get so many different kind of people in there. You get, you know, um, strength coaches who come there, you know, doctors, you know, people that are coming in. It's very different, you know, so you get in the whole athlete from a different perspective. You know, a couple of our strength coaches would go there too. And just talking on that side, you know, I think that's so key. I love to learn so much about that side with the strength and conditioning because, Again, the same thing. If we have a strength and conditioning coach, he's like, ah, oh, you know, he's not there or something. I'm like, I want to be able to like actually run a good and effective program for our guys. You know, I also took a taping and wrapping class for a semester at Boise State. So I know how to tape and wrap every single injury. You know, if our guys are on the I used to do it actually as one of my, you know, when I was at Boise State playing. Some of my guys, we didn't have a, a, um, a trainer with us. And I was like, oh, taping an ankle. Boop, and I'll tape some of our guys' ankles. So 
I thought that was key too. Yeah. And, and Billy, similar question to you, but it may be, you know, beyond that, is there any, you've, you've interacted with so many great college coaches through the years and, and uh, you know, shared many meals and things like that. Is there one particular conversation maybe that you've had with a coach through the years that has maybe put you on a different path or get you to think differently in any way? Or um, am I putting you on the spot with that question? There's too many wine dinners to remember. I've <laughs> forgot, but I, I remember a lot of them being very um, interactive and, and engaging. And, and it goes way back when I first started my career. But I think these, all, I, to me, I look at it, all of these um, as a collective series of educational experiences, whether you're sitting down to dinner with uh, some other coaches at Kalamazoo um, or the Orange Bowl or um, you know at the convention, um, you know, you, you mentioned, I think, you know, sort of that, um, like a master's program. I did a master's in sports administration. I started in sports. So I, I learned kind of from the, on the front end, more of the administrative side of things, which was interesting. So I think that helped me a lot along the way. And, and of course, mentors and everybody should have a, a great mentor. And I've been fortunate to have so many and, and to call friends in this uh, industry. I think it's phenomenal. Yeah. Right. Well, Damien, Billy, this has been a, a, an absolute joy and, and pleasure for me and learned a lot from you guys and excited to get this out, especially to our assistant coaches here in the next few weeks. So best of luck this season and uh, we'll hopefully see you over spring break. I think you're coming out to Arizona. So I'll see you guys then. Great Thanks, day. Dave. Appreciate Thanks it. Yeah.